installment of the Tango Banter. I am Yelizaveta, and it's really great to spend some time with you this week. Before we launch into our topic today, I wanted to remind you that this Saturday, August 6th, I'm hosting Rodolfo Robachos for a 90-minute seminar uh, where he is going to let us in behind the scenes of his orchestra and have us experience firsthand what musicians uh, are going through, what kind of process they go through when they are playing different styles of the orchestras. Um, so we're going to explore how they think about playing the style of D'Arienzo versus Pugliese versus Di Sarli. And my thought is that if we understand how to do that as musicians, if we have some, some glimpse of that, then it will definitely help us understand how to dance it because, you know, it's, it's the same music, right? The music that the musicians are playing and the music that we're dancing. So... I encourage you to uh, tune in if you uh, would like. And if you can't attend live, don't worry. There's going to be a recording uh, that you will have access to. So go ahead and sign up if this is at all interesting to you. Uh, all of the info is on my website at imsotango.com. You can also find the direct registration link in the show notes. So... Today's topic, how do you become a popular dancer? Not even how to become, but how to be. How to be a popular dancer at the Milonga. I have to say this idea came to me on a whim. And before I rejected the idea, I decided to write it out and see if, if it was as good as I had a hunch about. And um, some interesting things came up. And so as I share some of my thoughts on this topic, I would love to hear from you and, and what you think about this, whether you agree or disagree with some of my uh, conclusions. Uh, and also maybe you have a different way of, of perceiving these same ideas. So would love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to me on social media at I'm so tango. So before we talk about what it takes to be a popular dancer at the Malonga, let's define what popular actually means in this context, because the word popular can have a negative connotation right? So for me, early on when I thought of popular, I have images of these girls who are popular in high school and they get all the attention. And then there's the rest of us. <laughs> I was in the, the nerd circle personally, so I definitely didn't see the light of day when it came to attention in high school. So I would look on with longing and also judgment because then I'd be like, oh, I'm so shallow. I, why, why is it that I want to be popular? I, sh I should be above this. Um, but still, you know, I, I know early on when I was, you know, just starting tango, I would 
look at all, you know, these people who seem to never sit down and everybody wouldn't dance with them. And, you know, there's that feeling like, well, can that be me? Like, what does it take? And um, so popularity, you know, I'm not really talking about popularity as a, a vanity metric or um, some sort of shallow pursuit. I'm, I'm talking about that feeling that you get when you really get what you want from tango, meaning that you're getting the amount and the quality of dances that you want, right? So it's like when we are dancing as social dancers, we want to feel accepted. We want to, we want to feel celebrated. We want to feel admired. We want to feel part of the community. We want to be popular because I think it's just some, something that is human nature as social creatures, right? It's like, there's something about that, that we, we want to be a part of something. We want to belong. And popularity, I think, is this surface term, kind of like this facade, uh, behind which is actually a lot of depth to me. And tango, I think, is such an interesting place where so much of these dynamics get played out. So for me, the feeling of being popular is an inward feeling that you get when you're having exactly what you want. It's, it's that satisfaction. And it's, it's more of like a perception, like you feel, you just feel popular. Now, whether you are popular or not, you know, ultimately who cares, but if you feel popular, that's all that matters. You go home happy, right? And so in the case of tango, we're, we're talking about something very concrete. It's the amount of dances and the quality, right? It's not just about not sitting down and always dancing. It's also about that every dance that you have is amazing. We all want that. Some of us doubt the possibility of that. Um, you know, some of us rarely get that, but it's still a desired state, right? Like, like if somebody were to offer you a pill and say, if you, if you take this pill, every single Tonda that you have is going to be off the charts. Amazing. Like I would take that pill, right? <laughs> like it's, we, we do want that. We want every dance to be really special. So you dance as much as you want. You dance with the people that you want to dance. And really that's kind of what we imagine that popular people have. So if you think about anybody in your community that you perceive as popular and, and you watch them dance and you just think, oh, everybody wants to dance with that person, right? Everybody wants to dance with them, right? They're so good. So whoever that person is, what 
you're imagining is that they are this amazingly popular dancer who never sits down and gets to dance with people that they want to dance with. And, and they're, they're having the thing that you want, right? So it's kind of like you're projecting onto them something that you want for yourself. Now, I have a surprise for you. <laughs> Most of the time, if you ask those people if they feel popular, they will refer to other dancers that they look at, that they wish they were like, you know, so it's kind of like a ever receding horizon line. <laughs> so it's really an inward feeling, right? It has nothing to do with any kind of objective reality, right? Because so many times this has happened where I would have a conversation with someone and uh, I'm, I have this impression that they are very successful in their dance and they, they get all the dances that they want. And then I listen to them talk and they're complaining. They're complaining about the quality or the quantity or um, how they feel about themselves. Like they're not as satisfied as I imagine them to be. So anyway, I, I think that's a little bit of a tangent there, but just to be aware that a lot of times what we think of ourselves and what we think of other people, you know, there's a lot of um, projection going on. Um, I know that to be true for myself. So I'm curious if you can relate to that. Okay, so how do we then work on improving the quantity and the quality of the dances. So that's what we want, right? We want both quality and quantity. And there are so many things we could focus on and people do, right? There's, there's, you can take classes, you can take technique classes, you can take partner classes, you can um, work on performing and build your skill that way. You can study musicality. You can start DJing. Um, you can memorize all the lyrics of every song. You, you can go to Buenos Aires. Like, there are so many things uh, that are available, you know, and uh, the rabbit holes are infinite. You know, each rabbit hole will, can take your lifetime to explore. So what is it that we need to focus on. So I want to share with you just things that came useful for me. I, I can I feel popular as a dancer. I get to say that I'm, I'm very honored and grateful a lot of times because I, of course, even I, most of the time don't feel like I deserve it. <laughs> but, you know, it didn't start out that way. Um, I definitely had uh, everything that I hear people talk about in terms of uh, difficulties and challenges and frustration and feeling of inadequacy and fear and anxiety and all those things like uh, that was all part of my experience. But there were some concrete things that were very helpful that yielded a lot of results. And, you know, I'm the kind of person who if somebody tells me, in order to achieve this thing, you need to do this and you need to do this for this long, let's say. I'll be, I'll be like, okay, I'll do exactly what you say for as long as you say. And if by that end of that time, 
it didn't work, then I would give it up and move on. <laughs> so imagine this process has taken me quite a few years. Like, you know, I don't know whether I was consciously doing that from the very beginning, but I definitely don't remember a time when I wasn't testing and trying to figure out what is actually relevant in terms of my um, focus when it comes to tango. So, um, so these are my, my go-tos, my tools, my um, takeaways from a lot of the experimentation that I had done. And um, I think for me, this, con this concept is huge. Uh, and I, I definitely think a lot about it because yes, tango is an art form and we're all artists in our own right in certain ways. Uh, and we choose to develop that art form in the way that we want, you know, but social tango has this real social aspect to it. And so the equation doesn't add up to say, oh, if I can just learn all of the tango figures and have perfect technique, that means I'm going to get what I want at tango. I'm going to get the dances that I want. And, you know, like it should work that way. That's how I thought, right? When I first started, I thought that it's like as a follower, as long as I can follow everything, I'm going to be good. Like that's what's required. But, but that's not it, right? That's not it. There's like so many bells and whistles to the social part of it, um, the technical side of it. So to me, this whole idea of becoming a, you know, I should say feeling coming to that place of feeling satisfied at the milonga that, that that feeling that when you go you have a good time you dance as much as you want with as many people as you want you don't feel uh, frustrated you don't feel limited you're not you're not stressed out you're at ease right and that you know you come in and you feel popular. You feel that, that people love you there, that they, they want you to be there. That feeling, okay? That feeling. Um, so to me, there's the technical side and the social side, right? And I talk a lot about the social aspects of it. So today I'm gonna put that aside uh, and we're gonna talk about the technical, like what can you do for your dance? So if you're in that state um, where I was a few years ago, where you're like, I know I'm pretty good. You know, I, I know I have the technique. I know I have the vocabulary. I feel like I'm doing things right. I think I'm on my axis. I think I'm checking all the boxes. So why am I not still getting the dances that I want? Um, you know, like why aren't higher level dancers that I aspire to dance with, why are they not responding to me? Why am I not getting invited or why am I being rejected by the more advanced dancers? So um, here's what helped me figure that out. Like, I'm not gonna tell you, you know, what it was for you. I'm gonna talk about what it was for me. And you can just kind of see if any of this resonates for you and whether it's useful and if it's not just let it go and whatever is useful take that so these 
I'll take talk about four things that I did really helped me figure out the answers, right? These are not answers in themselves. All the questions I just asked, like why, why are people not dancing with me? Why am I not getting those dances? So these are not answers. These are tools to get the answer for yourself, right? And it will be slightly different for everyone. So the first thing was understanding both roles. I cannot emphasize enough how useful and revealing it is to understand both roles. So if you're primarily a follower, to learn the very basics of leading and to feel as a leader from your from now from this leading perspective what it feels like when somebody's following you i tell you the struggle of that for 10 minutes is worth 10 hours of instruction from a private teacher you know teacher in a private session um it's like so many things become completely obvious and what i'm talking about is if you know as a follower somebody might be telling you like Let's say you're working on ochos and somebody, a teacher's telling you, you need to dissociate here and you need pressure here and you need to this. And, and it's like, am I doing it? Am I doing it? Can, can I feel, am I doing it? Like you have this question, right? Well, if you lead, you can step into the leading role and you can feel it from that end. And then you get this feedback and you're like, oh, I totally understand. I totally get it. Like, so you just, you just develop this um, ability to deconstruct the dance in a very uh, illuminating way because you see it from both sides. Whereas if you're just doing one, it doesn't mean that you can't be a very uh, successful, wonderful dancer. Um, I know plenty of dancers who, who are great in just one role. But I'm just saying for you, as you work on your dance, if you're someone who is seeking answers to questions about the structure or why something is working sometimes but not other times um i know that was a really big one for me the first thing is like to understand it from both sides is is so so helpful so that's the first recommendation my second recommendation has to do with the music and that is learning to recognize orchestras that more than anything has opened up a whole world to me so much so that now that's what I teach. I teach people how to recognize orchestras. I'm not going to go into a spiel about how useful this is uh, in your dance, but to just kind of give you a sense that imagine that each orchestra represents a palette in your in your studio and your studio being your dance like you just have all these palettes and by knowing the orchestra you as an artist get to show yourself through the lens of that orchestra it's very beautiful this is what we love about gifted dancers and performers that we watch this is what we, we admire when we can see the song through the body and you really cannot access that level of creativity with the music if you don't know 
the orchestras, if you can't recognize the differences between them, if you can't hear the subtle differences in the rhythms and the melodies, because if you can't hear them, you can't show them, right? And so learning to distinguish between the orchestras creates this um, avenue for you to begin to express more of yourself in the dance. And I have to say, uh, in my experience, leaders typically develop that uh, more quickly, more readily than followers. Because when you lead, you kind of have to start, you know, you are responsible for walking with the beat, right? So you automatically are kind of forced to pay attention to the music, at least to some level. As a follower, where, you know, the following role is a bit more passive, it's more receptive. So for a long time, I had no sense of the music at all for years. Really, it wasn't until I actually decided to pay attention. There was nothing that required me to pay attention to it. I could just follow, right? But, um, you know, even as a follower, for me as a follower to understand the orchestra and know the song means I can really play with my partner. We can play together. We can perform this song the way two jazz musicians would uh, improvise on stage on a particular theme, right? It's like, it's like a very exciting uh, experience. So learning to recognize orchestras is a goldmine of, of uh, clarity and, and fun, you know, super, super helpful. All right. Now the next one uh, is uh, sort of funny, but it is practice dancing. Okay, and let me let me clarify what I mean by that. There are two states, at least that I can recognize in my brain, when I dance. And I have felt those same states in my partners, there's a qualitative difference between between these two states. And, and you can really tell. So I'm actually curious to hear from from some of you if you can, if you know what I'm talking about. So in my brain, there's a state of practicing, and then there's a state of dancing. And the state of practicing is where I'm working out how I can do something, where I need to be, what is the sequence, what else is possible. I'm, I'm actively thinking and figuring things out. When I'm dancing, it's this state of I'm lost in the song. I don't care what movement I'm doing. I can't even think about what movement I'm doing. I don't remember what happened a moment ago. I am like in a total state of presence. Okay. Now my theory is that that's actually the tango high state. Like that's the flow state. That's the nirvana state. That's the, that's the juice that we want. Okay. And I think it's an actual um, state of mind that we kind of have to practice. We sometimes fall into it, you know, we fall into it by accident when, when things kind of align just right. You have just the right partner and just, and just the right music. But you can develop an ability to tune into that a little bit more 
willingly, like willfully, that you are deciding to go to that state. Okay. And, you know, I, this insight was <laughs> earned uh, with a lot of suffering because I went to Buenos Aires the third time. And when I went, I had these really concrete issues and, and questions I was working with. That I was really frustrated with. Um, they were mostly structural. I was really concerned with my geometry, with my alignment. I didn't have my balance just right. I didn't understand why I was losing balance in certain places, but not others. So when I went, I signed up for a 10 pack of privates with a couple that I really admired. And boy, did I take it seriously. Everything they said to do, I would do for hours. And so I remember one of the specific things was, was uh, falling, just falling. I'd like not being able to keep my balance. And there was this, these things that they were telling me to do. So I would spend hours practicing in my little room that I was um, renting and I would make videos of myself and I would watch the videos and I spent, I remember one weekend I spent like 10 hours working the various principles that they were encouraging me, encouraging me to focus on. And after that weekend of, of doing all of this stuff, I go to the private and within the first few minutes, they tell me something to the effect of like, why aren't you doing all the stuff that we talked about last week? Oh my God. Like none, none of the work that I did showed. And I was, I was brokenhearted. I was so discouraged and I started crying. <laughs> Not just the little bit of crying, but like, like dry heaving, you know, like when you're a kid and you're so sad and upset that you're like, you can't catch your breath, like that kind of crying. I mean, I was, I was so disappointed. And, and that was one of the things that actually led to me quitting tango for a while, um, which is another story for another episode. But um, so I'm crying and I, I tell I tell my um, my teacher I, through tears, oh, I, I did all this stuff and I did this and I did 10 hours and I have all this video and I just, I'm trying and this and that. And I'm focusing on this and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm like, and I did, you know, like I'm just going through all the things that I'm like, I, I've done all these things that have been asked of me. Why is this not working? And he looks at me and he says, yes, but when are you dancing? And I mean, I was like, what? You mean to tell me that this, what I'm doing is not dancing? I, I was like, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand what, if, if I, I thought I was dancing, I thought I'm working on my dance. Like, like, why, how, how is this possible? How is it, how is it that I'm not dancing? And so what it took me 
some time to get over this because I really felt insulted. Oh, you know, like the ego really, really gets a hit. Um, I was really struck by that and it, it really stuck with me. I really wanted to understand eventually what after, after I calmed down, I, you know, I really wanted to understand what he meant and, um, you know, it was kind of like this thought, well, if all of this work is not really adding up to me even conveying that I'm dancing, then I'm going to stop doing all this work. You know, I just stopped doing the work. I stopped going to classes. I stopped learning new figures. And I, I did come to this place of like feeling there's nothing for me here, like without this work, right? And it's like, once I, once I allowed myself to give up the work, that's when I finally started dancing, you know, because I didn't care anymore about um, the figures because I knew that I suck at them and I don't remember any of them. <laughs> Seriously, I, it's so hard for me to remember figures. It's crazy. I've wasted so much of my money paying for classes where I learned sequences that then disappear out of my head and never make it to the dance floor. So I just started focusing on dancing, which meant I really needed to enjoy the song. I needed to like it. I needed to be in it. I started getting really choosy, you know, I, I, I really wanted to dance, um, and really started practicing that, you know, and now, um, you know, it's, it's two very different states in my brain. And whenever I'm not having a good time at the milonga these days, it's because I'm not dancing. It's because I'm practicing because I'm trying to do something, you know, and I have to choose. I have to choose like, nope, nope, not right now. You're going to, this is Pugliese. Well, it might be a Pugliese you hate, but you're going to dance like you love this Pugliese, right? Like you're, you're in it, right? So it's kind of, it's kind of a choice. All right. So the fourth thing that, um, I really recommend as part of your development in your dance is developing your own personal body mechanics studying your own movement by yourself without a partner doing something like yoga or pilates tai chi uh, gyrotonics the list is endless it it doesn't have to be anything specific it just needs to be something by yourself and it needs to be focused on you connecting with your own body and the way it wants to move. I'll explain why that's useful. I feel like one of the things that makes, makes me a successful social dancer is because I've made it a point to become very adaptable. Years ago, um, one of my cornerstone teachers, Alex Krebs, he said something to me 
that was really important in my development. He said, you can either become a dancer that's very specialized, and that means you'll dance with only a handful of people, or you can come become a dancer that's more kind of adaptable. So you dance with more people, but maybe not as high of a level. So it's kind of like a trade-off. <clears throat> and it really stuck with me, you know, and I realized I really want to be the dancer in the latter category. I'm not interested in performance. I'm not interested in creating an aesthetic that is then showcased as a style. And then I am kind of um, really focusing on dancing with people within that style, for example, salon, you know, or something like that. So I decided I'm much more of a democratic dancer. I, I'm a populist dancer. <laughs> Not sure those terms are really applicable here, but I'm a dancer who wants to dance with lots of people. I want to be able to dance with as many people as possible and have fun, right? I want the ability to dance with both beginners and advanced dancers and have fun, meaning like be able to enter that state of, of dance, of you know, that creative tango high, right? And so that requires that you really feel secure in lots of different embraces because there are so many levels, so many styles. Every person is slightly different. And sometimes you dance with people with really great musicality, but not very good technique or people with great technique, but not great musicality or somebody who really understands tango sequencing but doesn't understand ta uh, embrace mechanics you know like like there will be no dancers perfect right even even the ones that we put on a pedestal probably are working on themselves to improve so nobody's perfect and um you know of course there are a lot more dancers out there that are you know middle of the range kind of and beginner level, like lower level, there's a lot more of those dancers than there are, uh, you know, high level, really professional level dancers, right? And whether we wanted to eventually everybody to be at that level, I, it's like, I don't really care. But the reality is that both as a leader and as a follower, I spent a lot of my time dancing with dancers who are not perfect, right? And if they're not perfect and I only have one kind of mechanic that I develop by dancing with only certain kinds of people, then the dance will be very not enjoyable. I won't enjoy it. My partner won't enjoy it, you know? And so to be able to develop that self-awareness where you're able to adapt the way you need to different dancers, that really comes from learning about yourself, how your body moves, um, the range of motion that you have. And it's, it's this parallel process for me that's kind of continuous between my tango and my study of my body mechanics. I mean, I'm, you know, it's every day, every day it's, I'm practicing movement. I'm doing stuff on the floor. I'm stretching, I'm doing mobility. Like it's just part of my daily routine. So I have seen a lot of payoff from that. It's really helped me develop my sense of balance and 
have healthy body mechanics so that when I dance with those people who don't have really good mechanics, I don't hurt myself. Um, and yeah, just being able to make dancing more enjoyable for myself uh, by understanding how my body's moving, right? So these are my four suggestions. If you're, if you're needing some sort of inspiration to um, go towards that, go towards that feeling of becoming a dancer who is getting the dances that you want, as many of them as you want, right? Your path to that, it may have many bells and whistles. And here are four that really have proved very helpful to me. Understanding both roles, learning to recognize orchestras, practicing dancing, right? Even when you're in your practice with your partner, sure, have some moments where you're practicing some sort of sequence, but then have a dedicated time where you're like, I'm going to practice dancing, just dancing to this song. Let's pick an interesting song that's unfamiliar, that's weird, and let's just practice dancing. Let me just like plug in, right? So practicing that and then developing your own body mechanics, really paying attention to where your body's at, learning how it wants to move um, and getting to know yourself in that way. And, you know, I just want to also remind you that when we go dancing, what really what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring out some sort of expressive part of us. We are, we are contributing, right? We're contributing to a tapestry at the Milonga, right? Every couple on the dance floor is a little piece of the puzzle and every piece is unique, unique shape, right? So when you come into the Milonga, you are yourself. There's nobody like you and it is your service to the whole community uh, to share your dance, to, to contribute to this puzzle. So you really enjoying yourself and being a really dynamic, happy dancer in the community by being yourself and bringing your, your own flavor to it everybody wants that everybody wants to see the unique style that the dancers bring we're all bored with cookie cutter right like like it's it's not about you know how high can you make your boleo you know or how tall you know how how high you can kick your leg or how many cicadas you can do in a row it's i mean that stuff is interesting sure but i think socially right? Socially, what we really appreciate is novelty. We appreciate people being themselves. So these four recommendations uh, ultimately are helping you develop that understanding of yourself, of who you are. What do you bring to the Milonga? What kind of tango artist are you? Uh, what instrument would you be if you were in an orchestra, right? And, and it's um, it's a really exciting journey. It's really fun. So I hope you found this useful. I'll leave it at that.
and I hope to um, to hear some of your thoughts on this. You can reach me at I'm So Tango on social media. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Don't forget about the seminar on Saturday. It's going to be really wonderful. I promise you. And we shall talk next week at the next Tango Banter. Ciao.